I'm Carl Quinn, and this is a bonus episode of The Clappers, in which I chat with Hugo Weaving and Rachel Griffiths, both of whom were in Melbourne for a weird little event called Series Mania. And this is a festival of TV series. It's a French thing. It's been here twice. And what they do is they basically celebrate this new wave of, uh, I guess you call it, sort of great scripted television, TV, uh, drama and comedy. And they were each here with a, with a series, each of which screened in full over the weekend at Acme. And Hugo Weaving was here with Patrick Melrose, which we've talked about previously on The Clappers. And Rachel Griffiths was here with Dead Lucky, which we've also talked about. I chatted with them about the the work they're doing on TV, the relative merits of film and TV, and the odd sort of dis- disconnect of seeing a TV series in a film okay, venue. Hello. I am here with Hugo Weaving and Rachel Griffiths. Yay! Hello. Hello, you two. So I want to ask you about TV versus film. Yeah. And uh, the movement back and forth yeah. and the relative merits of both because you're – the lead in Dead Lucky. Yeah. You're a pretty significant character in Patrick Melrose, both of which I think are fairly, uh, you know, powerful pieces of work. So what's it like doing TV? What's the appeal of TV versus mm-hmm. film? The relative strengths and weaknesses of the two as forms of storytelling. Rachel, you go first. Well, for me, moving into television when I did, which was uh, uh, kind of in my late 20s, 30 just from a practical level allowed me to kind of put roots down and maintain stability and have a baby and a family and get married and not drag them all over the world um whilst uh you know whilst being within a framework where uh, it was the miracle of a great script coming to my mailbox every two weeks, mm. um, which just seemed absolutely miraculous to me. So you sign on, you know, I sign on six feet under off an extraordinary pilot, still one of the best pieces of writing I've, you know, had the privilege to read. But the quality of those scripts just kept coming, you know, for five years. So mm. that was extra- really, really extraordinary. And then what I did in my off-season was, you know, I could do The Rookie or I could do a bit of this, bit of that and some other characters. Often I looked for something not as heavy or uh, often I was pregnant and <laughs> or trying to get pregnant. Um, so just on that level, um, what I also discovered was I absolutely adored kind of going back to... I know, Hugo, you would have had that experience of working in companies of actors that you become a company mm. of act, uh, of actors. Mm. And in that, there's a kind of a shorthand and a playfulness and a, um, and a safe place to explore and repeat that I never quite felt I had that level of... Um, you know, spring in the springboard, always with new casts, you know. It's mm. always bright. They're always kind of these brave marks you make um and for me just sitting down to that familial group of actors with often some incredible incomers like patricia clarkson to kind of blow up scenes um which of course you would relish there was just that that suited me enormously and i found it a real haven um and a safe place to be the most creative i think i'd ever been right 
Um, well, I heard, and that's so the inside. I'm not judging as an outside, yeah, yeah. you know. But that was the inside experience. I heard Elizabeth Moss commenting recently mm. on. Uh, I mean, she's saying that uh, you know most of her work has been in, in TV, company, yeah. and and it feels like she's got a long opportunity to get mm. it right, mm. as opposed to film where you walk in and it's mm. basically like you mm. go now, mm. you get it right. Or you get it wrong. But also the, right, the, the, the great thing about TV and sort of why a lot of the writers have gone to TV is that, same for actors, you can explore things in much greater depth because mm. you've got longer mm. time to mm. explore a character, you've got longer time to sit with the other actors and you've got longer time to get to know each other so you can actually relax and find better work and the writers have more time and more there's mm. more complexity. You don't have to show something very quickly to set up a character and then move on into to narrative mm. so there's no character in there's not as much character in film necessarily as there can be in, yeah. in, mm. in tv so for actors and for writers i think television is a great joy and 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 similarly for viewers the, they're the actually film. able to invest in people yeah. over over a period of time and come back what's where are they going next more and more you know complexity and characterizations mm. i think hugo's absolutely right and i think in that it's really been able to extend and deepen and, and broaden, uh, you know, notions of what a hero is, notions of what an antagonist is, because you don't have that condensed haiku of, of film. And I, I think, um, you know, without a doubt, there are some stories that I think brilliantly suit uh, the three-act or the five-act structure. And, you know, I just had the great pleasure of directing the Michelle Payne film and everybody just expected that, oh, you know, is it a two-parter, is it a three, is it a tally series, how are you doing it? And I thought, no, 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 this is, this is a classic hero's journey. Mm. It's, it's here I am, here's what I want, here are the obstacles, here's the <laughs> path to realisation. Absolutely deserves an old-fashioned three-act structure. But many journeys, and I think many um, of the more interesting human journeys that we read, you know, that are in the biography section of our books, of our bookshelves, are so that they just don't fit into the three five act structure. And in fact, I think many many films have done a disservice mm. to mm. a life or mm. a journey by having to truncate them and mm. reduce them, and often reduce peripheral characters who may be. Uh, you know, female or of colour or, you know, of the diversity and you end up with a kind of shrunken palette. So I think TV also, uh, moving forward, has the opportunity to... Something like um, that series Babylon Berlin or Berlin, Berlin Babylon, I always forget which one. I don't know if you saw it. I haven't seen that. It's, it's it. absolutely phenomenal. Right? It's a German series, Tom Tickfer, one of the directors on it. It's like a 16-parter or something. So I think mm. it's two, 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 two seasons put together. But it is phenomenal the um, amount of money that's uh, on the screen the it's all set in berlin in the twen late 20s rise of fascism you hardly see a brown shirt but it's just about you can berlin feel it at coming. the time and there's yeah. so many people on screen in the streets in foyers it's populated the art department is phenomenal and you get such a strong sense of berlin of the whole of germany of the whole of europe and of the whole of the world because it's spending that much time and that much energy and that much um, that much money in getting the bright, mm. the mm. sort of precise details mm. of life. And then it becomes Every not about a camera society. move or a no, setup. It's, it's, it's a, just yeah. it's so it has breath, so dense, yeah. and so it's thrilling. Really, really yeah. thrilling. And then also, interestingly enough, that series actually takes itself out of television and becomes filmic. 
it as it grows and as it yeah. takes you in, it then opens its opens its scope and suddenly you feel like you're in 70 mil even though you're watching that. Yeah. It's really brilliant, brilliant. So, Hugo, you, you, I guess it's fair to say, more or less started in TV with Bodyline's probably the first well, yeah, big thing. Theatre, th- 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 mm. I mean, I left theatre schools, theatre, 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 but I was straight away doing film and TV, but Bodyline was, yeah. was yes, I, that was the first thing that probably people knew me for. And then... The through line in your screen work tends to be mostly film. Film, definitely. Yeah. Um, I did a and, and then number, seven of, types. number of miniseries with Kennedy Miller at, at yeah. first up and then stopped, didn't do any more TV. For was that a, a conscious time. decision? I mean, was it. No, like- I never. I was definitely. I was definitely wanted to do film and theatre as, as a. I loved film and I loved uh, theatre. And we didn't have a TV as kids. So we grew up, my dad hated it. We thought, well, we did when we were little and he couldn't bear us talking about it anymore. So he he (laughs) took it away from us. But we would go to the cinema, we would go and see films and they would take us to the theater. So I kind of grew up with that. The TV for me, I didn't exist really. But also as opportunity for a man of your age being very in demand, there was a gap between those great mid-form stories, you know, the Lonesome Doves and the Body Lines, those very ambitious fictional um, miniseries, they stopped for a long time. They did, but also that before before Body Line, they hadn't. That, that was the that was that was the, the, yeah, the ten-hour miniseries. That was the beginning, yeah. beginning of yeah. it all. But prior to that, TV had been pretty yeah. debased form in you know in terms of drama, yes. really, in this country compared to film. Yeah. Which when I came out of drama school, the films were like, yes. oh, hey, we're, we're making some really interesting films. And so then TV film, stopped, so yeah, you'd and, be and like, do you want to do twenty-two episodes or yeah. do you want to do a film? And yeah. an yeah. actor in your demand yeah. would. Yeah. not be wanting to yeah. do 22 episodes. But it's been anything. great coming back to do some really interesting film projects like Patrick Melrose's wonderful material and, you know. Is the shortish run of it a limitation or is that part of the appeal? I mean, five it's, parts, Patrick, Patrick Melrose, seven types of ambiguity was... Yeah, it was six. Six episodes. It's usually six hours. That's the that's the model now where everyone does yeah. six hours because that's what they I want, mean, the producers you know? will complain about, it's you know, there's not enough uh, funding to do the longer form. Yeah, that's but, right. But there is... Maybe there's there's something inherent in the four, six, eight episode. But it run. feels like it's, it's a good, quite it good. feels like it's a really good length. It's not too long. I mean, mm. there've been series you watch and you go, oh, I really love the first series and the second series, and you go, oh, I, I can't be bothered to watch the third series because there's so many other things I've got to do with my life. Mm. Indeed. You know? Indeed. But uh, but so maybe the five, six, or four, five, six part series is actually really something that we can cope with. Our lives are so fast. We. We can't see all these amazing box set series. We can't. Yeah. And we can't do that and see our friends and read the books we should read and mm. follow the news and see our family and cook our mm. own meals. We can't do all that. So, I mean, I hope... Uh, there's. I think there's a place for both. And I think the six that go back to, you know, your roots and your body line and these seminal... I, I, I would put them more in that kind of event. Yeah, yeah event they, and they watching. were. That's how they were sold. But I think it would be a real loss if the funding isn't there, both from a practitioner point of view, because cra- for craftspeople to jump on and off four and six episodes is leaves a, a fairly, um, you know difficult patch together uh, yeah, year, you know, yeah. from an income level and also from an actor level. I think everyone, if you can only fit two, one or two of them in, you're not, you know, you're not making mm. the coin that can really support a family. Um, but also just in an ambitious scale, I mean, I love that Game of Thrones is, is it 12 or 13? 12? Is it 12? 
Which episodes per year? Ten. Ten. Ten Oh, is it year, ten? But only seven in the final, I think, was six. Which is six. not, okay. Oh, no, the last seven, one was eight, wasn't it? It was eight. Too short. Final one so was they, seven. Too they, short. Is that it now? They, and I wanted more. Oh, well, there's one to come. Yeah. And Killing Eve, also, I just, I just wanted two more. Do you know what I mean? I, and that, the, the story, I think that you have to be more inventive, both in terms of plotting and 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 a better writer's room in terms of characters to sustain 10 or 12. And, and I think when those arcs, I think they're truly operatic arcs. Mm. Um, so I do, I love that end as well. And what was Big Little Lies? Was that... Six, I think, Yes, seven. and it yeah. felt like, it, you know, and perhaps for that, that was, you know, the right amount for, for that story um, and for them to come back to. But the, I think the biggest series can meander and you can have what it's almost like a bottle episode or a cul-de-sac episode. Yeah. And I love that where they're just not going anywhere for that entire, we're just in some weird place exploring mm. weird a things. A bottle episode or a cul-de-sac episode? I've yeah. never heard that term. Well, the bottle is, you, you know, you, you've run out of budget and you can't leave the lot. So the bottle, <laughs> we always had a bottle episode that was often so that the uh, the showrunner director could do the one after and get all the money from the bottle episode. Right. Um, but what, Sorry, why is it called a bottle? Because you don't leave... You don't leave You're the bottled lot. Up. You're bottled okay. up. Okay. It's and not often, about you, all the characters are sitting around sharing a drink. Is that <laughs> no, what no, no, no. It's like there's been a terrorist attack and you're all in the kitchen yeah. at the Roosevelt yeah. Hotel for yeah. the whole episode. Okay. I like it's, it. <laughs> you know, you're all there. There's always that one. Um, but I do think, you know, some of those, uh, some of those uh, just brain crunching by, by ep eight, I think, writers are sort of like, all right, okay, well, where do we go? And I think to some of the greatest twists and turns have come from mm. the clamp of, of mm. the pressure being on to sustain. Um, I think most writers would say without a very weekly mechanism, it's very hard to get to 22 and that, yeah. uh, you know, that is a commercial thing. But... Um, you know, I think there's I think there's room for the the long long forms as well. So, tell me about um, Dead Lucky and the character the character you play. Um, do you see this as like this is a one off, or do you see it as the almost like a proof of concept pilot kind of series in some ways for a character who could have a long afterlife? Um, I would really love that. I'd love to have my own Jack Irish yeah. slash Reg slash you know. Yeah five-season franchise because I think having set up a character, you you know, you can just have such fun with it. I think that, um, you know, Deadlocky is very, very plot-invested. Um, uh, so I wouldn't say it's, a, um, um, you know, a Helen Mirren, you know, intense character study um, of this cop of which, you know, other mm. plots are you know swirling kind of underneath the plot plot is the driver and plot is the engine that takes us into you know an australian contemporary multiculturalism and and raises a set of questions and um and i think offers a lot of surprising environments and characters that are new to you know fairly fresh for australian television um, but the amount of time actually squeezed into character, um, I mean, we tried to put it where, wherever he could, but, you know, it's, it is it is taught. So there's a lot of scope for developing the I character. I think so, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Compared to, like, a following a Killing Eve or something at the moment, I think Killing Eve has such a brilliant, just because it is got that length, to really 
be with both at those lead females mm. just with a bit of air around them mm. to go what what do they you know what what would they do now because there's a th- three minutes we can actually find something that's not just to get to the next yeah. you know well place. i've got to say i've described this uh, in the office as possibly the most sbs show ever oh. <laughs> <laughs> it ticks so many boxes yeah, yeah. And, and i'm i've got about 15 minutes to go to finish it right and i've really enjoyed oh, it oh, good. in spite Terrific. of what i think are some of its sort of you know, yeah. it's failings, but I think it's like it's it's a rollicking ride. Yes, know? it's a good it's a good crime drama. Yes, and it has and it enough going on. Wants to have a story on. engine, and yeah. it wants to have you know the twists and turns. Mm. Um, I had an interesting experience. I had all the gorgeous young young actors of um, many different ethnic backgrounds, and myself out in Wollara in Sydney for a dinner. Um, and they're all young and they're all gorgeous and effervescent and charismatic. And uh, I was having a great time anyway. I must have looked shit uh, and was completely unrecognisable. And this woman came up and she goes, I'm sorry, we're just <laughs> sorry to be rude. And I was like, you know, getting ready for the selfie opportunity. And she says, we've just been having a bet about what you are. <laughs> and we're like, what do you mean what we are? It's like, what what you all are. What, like, <laughs> so clearly I, she, there was no yeah. recognition whatsoever. And I said, well, what, what do you think? And she says, well, I think tech startup, you know, because I'm surrounded by all these gorgeous young, you know, uh, Chinese and Vietnamese and a Persian. And, and I said, uh, you know, what, what does, what does your friend, what does your friend think? She goes, she goes, is it in English as a second language? <laughs> and I said, actually, this is the cast of the brand new SBS television show. <laughs> and her face just like rearranged its like she's like Oh you know that's the, the last thing we could, would ever think of. Um, but on, this it, woman wasn't played by Justine Clark, was she? <laughs> it's a bit like that. But it's like I would have been over there just going you know, that's one of the best-looking tables of young people I've ever seen because they're all just gorgeous and glowing and there's an old lady at the end. I want, you know, <laughs> what the hell is you she know, doing? What's she doing? Um, but I, 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 I would have uh, kind of probably known there was an entertainment aspect just because they're also, you know, ha- yeah. handsome and confident and interesting. But I just thought, well, that's just the best. I just looked at it and I said, well, that's the best reason to make this show, um, even if it is ticking all of SBS's diversity box. You know, we clearly have a problem in Houston. I, I wouldn't be saying even if. I mean, I, I think yeah. the fact that it does that makes it really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, do, it delivers all the things you want of a crime thriller. Yeah. Right? But it touches on so many yeah. issues. I mean, yeah. four, five, seven visas. You yeah. Know, the the, the uh, you know the franchise scandals, all yeah. that kind of stuff. It touches yeah. so mm. many things. Yeah. And it occasionally it feels a little bit like it's pushing the barrow yeah. a little heavily. But, but most think, of the time I think it feels I, quite I natural. I really do think it, uh, it, it asks us as, um, you know, established, you know, comfortable people in this great lucky country of ours. It, I, I did find it kind of challenging in the, the stories I was hearing and the research uncovered about how, especially in the students, because they've been such a cash cow for mm. this country, of how... How do we really feel about this enormous multi-billion dollar mm. incoming engine and how have we 
actually treated that? Yeah. You know, how, what services? There's very little or duty of care. Yeah, what duty yeah. of care? What kind of student housing are we building that's mm. affordable and creating communities so that they're, sa- you know, so that they're safe? And it does feel a bit, you know, made me think that, mm. um, and we better be careful because another country will, you know, mm. I mean, America has woken up and said, oh, that's a good cash cow. I think we do that better because we are more committed to doing it, creating on-campus experiences that are, you know, fully mm. supported. But um, anyway. Mm. Um, I'll just ask you briefly about the uh, the notion of uh, the series screening at an event like Series Mania, which is, you know, a traditionally a cinematic environment, mm. you know. Uh, how, how, does that... Is that part of the process of conferring on TV some of the the respect and credibility that used to only be the domain of film? I just think I honestly, and I'm not kind of saying this, I just think we're so far past that part of the conversation. Mm. I think we're still actually on merits and I think we all know we're all past. But what I think is more interesting is that notion of taking television was a pro- television was you know when there weren't many of them all the neighbors had come over to the person that had it and it actually was you know when the the, the box sets were disparate you know we, i'd hear stories where 30 neighbors would be over for that show on a friday night mm-hmm. or watching so there was some communal um back and forth and then it's become this private thing that then you talk about at work yeah um and that, and the, the screen has become increasingly small and increasingly big. But um, now with kind of live boards and sharing and the culture that's created around television, I almost think it's a natural step to have these big... Yeah, I think there, were, like, there was a big Game of Thrones final viewing somewhere and I really, I'm a bit obsessed with that. I, I was like, oh, I'd quite like to go and watch that with a couple of thousand people. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I really wanted to kind of <laughs> take it out yeah. of my husband and me on the couch, you know, because it just felt like we were, it needed to be experienced by, you know, by yeah. more. So I think these, and, and we've had quite a few um, here at Acme, um, Gorgeathons, or what, what, what would you call them? Like binge, binge, binge session. Yeah, yeah, huge binge sessions. You know, with like-minded people, and 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 I do, I do love that the 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 fracturing of how we might be watching this content is is split between you know on the plane by ourselves with our husband after you've done the last three loads of washing and you're exhausted and you're in your gym jams. Um, which is how I digest most content, and then sharing it. Yeah, yeah. And this, I mean, this show looks so Hugo's show looks so visually stunning. Um, and perhaps without getting into kind of the merits, there is no doubt that some of the best directors are coming back to television, and that it is in a moment where, there, you know, I'm sure there's still a friction, but it where writers and the showrunner is recognising the merits of director-producer import and not just... And, and to really lift the style mm-hmm. uh, and look and visual experience of shows. But there's something definitely interesting about the idea of showing TV in, in, in an auditorium because it's probably the thing we're missing about what's happening now in television is sharing it with other people. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff on... And so you may have just got into Game of Thrones so much. I've never seen any of Game of Thrones, but I've seen Berlin Babylon, and you haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah. And you should see that, yeah. you know, and we can't even talk about these things yeah. with each other. 
So we're probably, we probably need to share these things in a space again. We probably splintered to such an extent that all of our viewing is on a yeah. little screen on mm -hmm. our own. And actually, a it's like if a tree falls in the wood, did, did, you know, did I really see yeah. that? No one else did. did was, was it really made? Did what? You know what I mean? It's like, except it's bizarre. If you don't, but if you don't share the experience, yeah. then what is life? If we're not yeah. sharing our lives, what are we doing? If we're not sharing these things in an auditorium, I don't know. I think there's something in that. Maybe. I think there's definitely something yeah. uh, really interesting in, in the sort of the break from broadcast, a scheduled viewing yeah. appointment yeah. Oh, TV, yeah. to that individuated experience. And that's what's happened. That's absolutely, absolutely what's happened. And there is, you know, this sort of converse of that is that you do get the sort of like the minute uh, Handmaid's Tale finale has gone yeah. to where people are talking about yes. it. Yeah. So if you didn't happen to see it yeah. in yeah. that moment, right. you've got to either like deliberately screen yeah. everything yeah. out or you've got to rush to drop everything else yeah. and catch up yeah. so yeah. that you can be part of the conversation because yeah. tomorrow it will have moved on. Yeah. It'll be something yeah. else. You know, There's no kind of lingering. There's no the kind of collective thing is just it's broken yeah. and it's, it's a real shame because it is one of the things that binds us that sort of share shared engagement well the binge viewings are really going up so i think there is a hunger and you know who knows maybe cinemas are going to be full where you can go and see 13 hours of your favorite show <laughs> you know with an audience like einstein on the beach multiplied and you know the popcorn comes i remember seeing Highmat. do you remember Highmat? that yeah. edgar wright's film was, i think it probably was at myth it was on at sydney film first like 14 hour thing it was made for tv in germany but well, i remember seeing that over two days right. in sydney on a weekend and it was fucking great but it was essentially television it's a big commitment yeah but it was just phenomenal yeah. so maybe maybe it'll happen a bit more. but it's only a sunday it's only a yeah sunday. that's right yeah. Not 14 hours. That's but a very could, long Sunday. Very long Sunday. <laughs> well, you could see a six. But, but as you yeah. said, now it's six, you know, it tends to be six or yeah. eight. Or, yeah. But I would love to see your show on a big screen. Cause well, all, I'm just going to say, everything I, I've seen about I've it only is seen so visually, that, so I'm looking forward to seeing visually sexy. Myself, and the yeah. colour palette and the grading and the, yeah. you know, yeah, the yeah. frame. Yeah, yeah. He's obviously very talented oh, with yeah. his kind of frame and camera movement. Yeah. And I yeah. want, I want to see it big and I'd... You know, these, they're all, these shows are also recording great sound, so... Yeah. So let's go back to the starting here. Film or television, is it necessary to make a choice? No. You mean as an actor? Mm, mm. Do they both I still don't. have their merits? Do they both still have their place? We're still, yeah, absolutely. We're often motivated yeah. by things like how long, where, how much. <laughs> I mean, it's or also, it's the only thing that's been offered me. Yeah. But it, it's who? It's like, will, will I do 22 apps in Toronto? I still won't kind of do it. No. And the thing about this, this television is made everywhere. So if you have a family, if you have a young family and it's six or eight episodes, when I did When We Rise, which I enjoyed enormously, but that meant that I was w away from my family for three months in Vancouver um, to do you know, over those six episodes and that's a really... I got an offer to do something in the States, but it was like one of those, one yeah. of those, you know, six feet under things. Yeah. So six months yeah. next year, six months the year after, six months the year after, six months, actually eight months, and we, yeah. we reserved the right to go straight into the second series as soon as we finished shooting the first one. And I said, you're saying five years I've got to go to LA. Basically, I might as well go to LA for five years. The answer is absolutely not. No yeah. way. Yeah. I'm not, never going to do that. Forget it. 
So, so no, that that's one it's good reason the, not yeah, to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Although if that was something here, you, you, I'd go, mm, actually, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't mind playing yeah. the lead in a TV, yes. you know. I, would, oh, yeah. I, I actually, can buy that beach house. I, I, that'd be really cool. <laughs> and if the writing's good, you go, yeah. But, I mean, prim- primarily it's like, is the project, is the writing great? Are mm. these people yeah. pushing... The, uh, are we all on the pages? So whether it's film, theatre, yeah. TV, if the project's good and if it's saying something, there's a reason to do it, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't really matter what it is. And they all have their merits and they all have their limitations. So I feel very lucky that I can do all three of them, mm. and, you know, all three of them. Bring back radio, I say. So that was my chat with Rachel Griffiths and Hugo Weaving. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, share it, pass it on. Leave a comment, a review on our Facebook page or on iTunes or wherever you listen to The Clappers. And please join us again for the next episode.